Timothy, Paul, Silas, they are writing to this young church in Thessalonica first to encourage them, and then they have some specific things that they want to teach them. Last week we saw how they were teaching that it was important to mind. That was the word we had, to mind, mind your own business, right? To mind, to be conscious of, to be aware of how they were living. Now, we found good news in that instruction, though the instruction itself was a bit heavy, really laying a, a kind of a burden on there to live well. But the good news, <coughs> excuse me, the good news that we found was in the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift that is given to those who are trusting in Christ for salvation. And the Holy Spirit would guide us, and He guides us in, in acting according to what He has made us. A new creation. Now Paul turns to another matter about which the Thessalonians appear to have had some concerns. It is likely that Timothy taught them, as I said, while he was there, but as someone who was newer to teaching in the faith, it seems likely that he, along with Paul and Silas, and you know, probably Paul guiding this, felt the need to write, to just reinforce the teaching that they had. The, the, the particular issue here. Uh, that we have this morning has to do with concern about what happens to those believers who die. This theme connects to the themes that we have over the next few weeks and uh, even going on through December during the season of Advent. And before we get to our text today, I want to get a sense of what that is. What is that theme? The last reading um, that's in our in our. Um, pericope in our lectionary from 1 Thessalonians as we go through this church year is going, it's not going to be our sermon, it comes next week, it's not going to be our sermon text next week, uh, that will be from the gospel text, but they go together well, um, as we saw even from our, from our uh, scripture reading today from, from Matthew. Um, that text in 1 Thessalonians continues with the theme that goes on from our text today and deals with Jesus' return. And how that impacts those who continue to be alive when Jesus comes back. That's the theme of what comes after this in 1 Thessalonians. The theme from the Gospel text next week will also be about Jesus' return. As will the following week, which is the last Sunday of the church year. That Sunday is often referred to as Christ the King Sunday. And it, and it recognizes that um, that part of Jesus coming again and what that means. Um, in a way, these themes continue then into the new church year. As we get into Advent, we finish out the church year thinking about Jesus' return and the end of the world. And, uh, and we begin the, se the season of Advent with that same theme. As we go through Advent, we will come back again to 1 Thessalonians in one of the Sundays of Advent and particularly look at and partially look at the verses that follow our text today. The, the text will be from what comes right after that, but we'll, we'll look at it as well. In these texts, today and coming up, we find that what's coming in the future, what is in store for those who die as believers and those who are alive when Jesus comes back again, and what is in store for this world and those who are not trusting in Christ when Jesus comes back. We find that. Those, those are the themes of the next few Sundays. As we get to the text today, 
there was a concern on the part of the Thessalonian believers about what happens to those who die. What happens among the believers who die? Now, we don't know much more about this question and what their concerns were than what we read here in our text. But we can deduce a few things about where this question came from. It's likely that in Paul's few weeks with these believers in this city, none of them had died. There had, not, there had been no deaths among them, and so there were no funerals. And so Paul didn't get a chance to teach on that. There was no specific instruction about what happens to those who die before Jesus comes again. Now for us, knowing that it's been 2,000 years without Jesus coming again, um, we don't have the same sense that it is likely going to happen in the next moment, as somebody in that first century might have had. Many in that first century, without knowing how long it would be, thought that maybe Jesus would come back very soon, even in their own lifetimes. Without a lot of instruction on what happens, it seems that this played a big part in the worry that these believers had. They would have known the teaching of the resurrection, as Paul was teaching them about that, but they might have had some concern that if they would have eternal life, when Jesus came back, so Jesus' return would mean eternal life for them, what about those who had already died? Paul encourages them that a believer who dies does not miss out on anything. Our concerns today are different than theirs are. But we also may need encouragement when it comes to the death of a loved one, of someone who is a believer. And that's where our text gets to today. That's, that's what we listen to in our text today. Listen for it. So our text today is from 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. I'll invite you to stand as you are able as I read that. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, reading in Jesus' name. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Father, thank you for the words of encouragement. And though they may be familiar to us already, we thank you that we get a chance to, to pause and consider and reflect on what you have written here through Paul. And uh, we ask that it would be an encouragement to us today. Guide us in our hearts and our minds as we consider what this has for us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. Uh, I want to invite any kids that would like to come up to the front to come up here. We've got a few so far coming up. <clears throat> yeah, come on up. 
Jude, you want to go by Samuel over here? Are you looking? Maybe there's a better spot. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you guys, um, if you wake up, I'm, uh, you know, maybe, have you guys woken up in the middle of the night and you have a bad dream? Kind of scary a little bit, yeah? Where do you go? You don't? Oh, wow. Good or bad? Oh, wow. And you never sleep. Yeah, we've had some other kids that have said that too. I, I'm not sure if I quite buy it. But, but if you wake up in the night, whether you had a dream or not, but if you wake up in the night and you're a little bit scared, where would you go? Mom and Dad? Where? Into the living room. Does your dad find you there or your mom? Do they find you there if you're in the living room and you're kind of scared? Maybe. Who is it that helps you calm down if you're afraid at night? Oh, God can, yeah. That's a, that, and do, does, do your parents sometimes, if they come, if you're afraid, do they help remind you that God can help you not be afraid? Yeah. You know what? We can go to God in prayer. We can also go to our parents, right? That's, that's what I did as a kid. You know what? When I was uh, probably most of your age, maybe a little younger than Jonah, my parents' room, well, first of all, I have to ask you, I don't know if any of you lives in a house with an attic. Do you know what an attic is? What's an attic? Yeah, there's kind of like a room up above, and a lot of times it's not not quite finished or whatever. Yeah, it's up on above the house. Yeah. We like turn our attic into like a play area. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you could do that. Well, you know what? When I was a kid, my parents' bedroom was the attic. Now that it's you know it was nicer than it sounds like it was, but it was up on the top. And and when I woke up in the middle of the night. I got up, and I would think, I'm afraid, but it's scary going up to their room. So I'd have to get up the courage to open the door and walk up the dark, dark steps and get up, get over to their bed. But you know what? Once I got next to their bed and I talked to them, I wasn't afraid anymore. And one of them would get up and, and come down with me and help me get back into bed and, and remind me that Jesus was with me. But you know how scary it was before I found them? But as soon as I found them... I wasn't scared anymore because they were with me. And especially, we already heard it, God can, can help us not be afraid too, right? And today we're thinking of that Jesus is with us. And that's why we can really not be afraid because Jesus is with us no matter what happens in life. Or someday if we die too. You guys want to share something, but I'm not sure if I'm... <laughs> What's that? Oh, then they'd go back upstairs and I'd be scared again. Well, you know, yeah, hopefully not. But sometimes that happened too. That's true. It was very encouraging when they were with me. Well, um, we want, we're listening today for Jesus being with us. It says that in what we read. So that's not really Jesus. But sometimes we think of that's maybe, that reminds us of him, right? That image, we kind of think of that as being Jesus. So here's a little picture of Jesus being with you. So you could take one of those. Do you want to hand those out here? You can hand those out on this side. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming up. Okay, go ahead and back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, the believers in Thessalonica were worried about, as I said, about their loved ones who had died. For thousands of years, people have experienced death. And while we cannot know what the experience of death is like, you know, we experience that one time, right? Normally. 
We do know what the experience of having a loved one die is and can be. Most of us do. There is a hole that is left in our lives. There is a loss in our lives. There is often grief that comes with death. Sometimes that grief is for ourselves as we experience, as we are experiencing the loss. Some of that grief can be for those who died as we lament that their life is over. And that's especially true if the person who died is younger or if the situation is tragic. There's sense of grief for the person who, who died. Um, and Paul says regarding those who have died, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, this is not to say that there is not any grief associated with death, even for us as believers. Sometimes that grief, as I said, is greater depending on what we expected about the life of the one who died. We often feel more grief when a death is sudden, if it's we, we, look, we see it as tragic if it's a younger person. There might be less grief for someone who has lived a long life, maybe primarily because we know that life won't go on forever, but it's still there. And the grief that we might have for those who die, Paul says, we don't need to grieve like those who have no hope. In cultures where there is no certainty of what will happen after death, or for individuals for whom there is no certainty, there is grief for the person who died. By any evidence that we can observe with our senses, they are gone. That is the end. There is nothing that we can observe of what happens after death that can tell us anything about it. It's imperceptible to our senses. There's no hope in anything that we can observe ourselves of what is happening after death. But we do have hope. And uh, on the other side of this, I would say that if Paul were addressing us today with this, he might add something here that he doesn't want us to grieve or process our grief like those who have false hope. Maybe because of the Christian influence on our culture, though it is a waning influence, most people have a belief in heaven, the existence of heaven, in an afterlife. But there is often, for many, simply the idea that as long as a person isn't terrible, and I mean really terrible, like it seems like you'd have to be really bad to be excluded, not just moderately terrible, but really terrible, as long as somebody's not really terrible, they're going to a better place. That's a common view. A lot of relig different religions um, in the world have had a lot of different beliefs like this. And just like what happens to someone once they die, any of these thoughts of a better place aren't connected to anything of observable reality. It's just a belief that someone might have. But Paul points to a different belief that we have that is connected to an observable reality. Not something that happens after death, but this, this is what we can observe. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now, we didn't see this. I didn't see this. I don't think any of you that's older than me was around to see it. I don't think. <laughs> we didn't see this. But there were eyewitnesses that saw him 
And we have the records that they left. That's what they left us. A record that they had seen him. And considering that fact, Paul says, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And here's the first place in our text where we see the words with Jesus. Actually, later it's, it's with the Lord, but of course it's, he's saying the same thing. Paul is answering the question of whether people who died as believers before Jesus would return would miss out on something because they're not alive for his return. But Jesus' return will happen with those who have died. They will not miss out. And if that includes us, we will not miss out. According to the Lord's word, Paul says, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now, we may not have the same concern that they did. We may understand that God's word, what God's word says about Jesus' return. But death is a strange experience that God did not intend for us to have. And I think any of us could have a little bit of worry when it comes to the thought about dying or having a loved one die, about going through that experience. Even if we trust in what God's word is saying about what will happen after we die, it's a new experience. And it's reasonable that any of us could at least be hesitant to go through that experience. It's unknown. And it isn't what God designed for us. And it's natural to be hesitant about it. But Paul is encouraging us here to trust that those who have died, believing in Christ, trusting in him, will be with him, with Jesus. And as a way of encouraging these believers, Paul describes just briefly a little bit of Jesus' return. As I said earlier, in the coming Sundays, we will hear more about Jesus' return, as uh, it various themes around that, as various of our sermon texts will have that as their focus. Here, we have a description of the return of Jesus, but the focus isn't primarily for us to understand anything about Jesus' return itself. It's more about us understanding something about what happens when we die, if we are trusting in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for us. That's what Paul is getting at here. Paul is teaching um, these believers in Thessalonica and us, by extension, what he likely taught others in person. Jesus said he would come back again. As his time on earth was finished the first time, he visibly rose up to the sky. An angel told his followers that he would come back in the same way. So here's what Paul is saying and what he says about Jesus' return. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. This is a spectacular show as Jesus comes back. When Jesus ascended to heaven, there were maybe, you know, we really don't know, but maybe a few hundred people there. We're told that Jesus appeared to about 400 people at the, at the same time, so it could have been there. Uh, there were maybe fewer than that, but really not a large number when it comes to the world population, right? He's going to come back someday in a much louder way. A loud command is going out. 
The voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, accompany this command. I don't know if I've ever heard a trumpet blast. I've heard a trumpet playing, but I don't know if I've ever heard a trumpet blast in person. You know, maybe like what you've seen on TV or in a movie, a trumpet announcing the arrival of a king, of a dignitary. And we think here of a huge blast, an announcement of somebody arriving. This is what we're looking forward to. An amazing event when Jesus comes again, announcing his arrival. I walked into Michigan Stadium with my brother-in-law on the way to watch a Wolverines football game a couple years ago. And as as we talked, as we walked in and talked, he said, at the end of the national anthem, look south. There's going to be an Air Force flyover, A-10, I think is what it was, but I don't remember for sure. I tried to get a picture, but even with his advance warning, I still missed it. And I think I was having trouble with my phone getting that camera to come up. But anyway, I love flyovers. I was looking forward to that as he told me that that was going to be happening. So as the anthem finished, sure enough, I was ready for it, except for my camera, of course. But I was ready. I was looking for it. I looked to the south, and there it came. Whoosh! That jet came flying over head. It was, a, it was amazing as it came over. It was a spectacular sight. We are waiting for a flyover, well, more than a flyover, an arrival, a million, a billion, a trillion, I don't know, how many times more spectacular than that? When I was in that stadium, you know, it was nice that I was prepared. I got to, you know, look off in the distance and see that plane as it came, uh, came closer. But even if I hadn't been prepared... I still would not have been able to miss that event as the plane came over. When Jesus comes again, no one will miss his command, his, the, the trumpet call of his arrival. And as we think about this command, we might ask, what is this command for? Is it for the angels that they're doing something? Is he commanding them? Well, given the context and what Paul is getting at here, it seems that the command that he's giving is for those who will be with Christ. If you know the story of Lazarus, that friend of Jesus who had been dead for four days when Jesus got to his tomb, Jesus told him, you might say commanded him, to come out from the tomb. And though dead men don't usually respond to commands, he came out. I don't know what words Jesus is going to use when he comes back again, but he will issue a command and the power of life will go out with that command. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Boom! They will hear, they will respond to the command to come out of the grave. After that, Paul says, We who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in in the air. We don't have a lot more description of what this is going to be like. We can try to imagine the voice being heard all around the world. What does that mean? You know, we can try to imagine these things. You know, is there a particular place Will Jesus, where Jesus will be coming back, as, or, or how will we observe this? Well, you know, Paul is not writing this so that we will have answers of what this is going to look like. He's writing this so that we know it will happen, and so that we have hope. And we can know the reality of what will be true. 
to the, to the minimal level that we can actually comprehend it, I would say. And so he finishes, or he, he, he continues with this. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, in this context here, Paul doesn't say anything about those who are not trusting in Christ, um, either in death or when he returns. He's not getting at how that all will happen, because that's not his point here. Paul is speaking to those who are trusting in Christ, who may be concerned for their friends and relatives who have died before Jesus' return. And now he is bringing all of us together with them. He's, you know, he's considering those who have already died. And then he considers all of us because we are together. We are together. Some are asleep and some are still awake. But we, all of us, those who are already asleep and who will be awakened one day, those of us who are awake, who also may still be awake at that time when that Jesus comes back or may sleep before that time. We all will be with Jesus forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Paul is giving us these words so that in hearing them, we can be encouraged and also as needed, we can encourage one another with them. And so we want to do that. These, these words do not mean, of course, that there is no grief in death. They do not mean... They do not mean that we will not miss someone when we look across the room to where they used to be and they're not there anymore. They do not mean that if we have a sense that our own death is near that there will be no sense of apprehension in that moment. But we do not grieve like those who have no hope. Why? Because we are with Jesus. And the place of those who have died, trusting in Christ, is with Jesus. And the place of those who are alive, when He returns, is with Jesus. My family and I were driving on a winding mountain road long after dark when I was nine or ten. This was in an unfamiliar part of Mexico uh, for us. We were driving that part. Usually, well, we hadn't been by there too many times already, but usually we took the toll road between two cities that went a lot faster. And for some reason, whether by accident or because we were trying to find a cheaper way to get there, we were on this two-lane road. We arrived at a small town, and it was unclear where to go. Uh, there were lanterns hanging around through the town, and we didn't see anyone around. And it was really a rather eerie, spooky feeling. And we eventually just had to turn around and go back, you know, on, on our drive back to where we had gotten off the toll road. Now, I had been asleep, or nearly asleep, in the back of our station wagon as we got into this little town. And I, I woke up, or, or kind of came fully awake as we entered this town, and I'm sure that I could have been pretty scared if I had been there by myself. It even bothered me a little bit in thinking back about it from time to time later. It did seem a little bit spooky. But in the moment, I wasn't really all that worried as I was there. I was with my parents. They were taking care of me. So I put, I put my head back down and fell asleep again as we drove back. I'm not even sure that I woke up again before we arrived back at our home. 
That's what it's like having the reassurance, as a child, of being with our parents. And that's what it's like having the reassurance of being with Jesus. Whatever the future holds for us, we can be confident that we are with Jesus. And if the time of death comes near for ourselves or for our loved ones, we don't have to be spooked by the eeriness of it. We can trust that we will make it home with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word of encouragement. We thank you that it can be an encouragement at any time in our lives as we consider what happens at death. And the uncertainties of not being able to see what happens. We thank you that we can be encouraged by it. We thank you that we can especially be encouraged by it in times where we have lost loved ones. We thank you that these words are an encouragement, um, especially to the Clatt family, and that, that they are trusting in that promise of being with Jesus. We thank you for the hope that we have. I ask that you would help us to bring these words to mind when we need them and to encourage each other with them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.